0: I think as a husband and as a man, you see a problem and you want to fix it. I hope that she can look at me and still think, wow, I love my mom for the strength that she has and for the person that she is inside.
1: She's just a warrior. I don't know how else to describe it. So, you're going to make me cry. (laughs)
2: Meet Emily and Dave Hanson. As all of us here at Around River City and at Midwest Family Lacrosse continue our support of Stepping Out in Pink with Gunderson Health System, we're wrapping up our series of podcasts with what I would call a love story, as much as anything else. Emily and Dave and their kids have been through a lot, and most of it has been in just the last three years or so. When we come back, we'll get right into our conversation. I'm Ken Cooper, and this is Around River City.
1: Whether you're a seasoned chef or just starting your culinary journey,
2: Cooley Region Cooks is your new podcast resource. Discover new techniques. Hear from local culinary heroes who are mastering the art of the kitchen. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 on WIZM. Stream your favorite cooking tips, local chef interviews, and
1: mouth-watering recipes on the WIZM app. Or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Stay updated and engaged by following us on Facebook. Just search Cooley
2: Region Cooks today this is around river city and i'm ken cooper you know you can subscribe to the podcast at aroundrivercity.com it's absolutely free to do that and you'll be alerted every time i have a new episode up and ready to go so let's get right into my conversation with emily and dave hansen
0: All right, well, I am Emily Hansen, and um, I'm a cancer survivor, and I'm a wife and a mom of four kiddos, and I have my husband here with me today.
2: (laughs) Dave Hansen. Welcome to you both. Let's go way back. I just, I I love romance stories. How did you two meet?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I wish we had a, a more romantic way of meeting. We actually met in high school. Um, and we met in band, so we were the, we were, we were the band geeks and it, it panned out pretty well for us though, I guess. Um, but I was the only girl trumpet player, so I kind of think it was maybe lack of options for him or, yeah, yeah, but were you
1: trumpet player too then? (laughs) Yep. So I was, I was first chair. I'm going to point that out. She was
0: (laughs) third chair at the time, I think,
1: but okay, she got better.
2: Yeah. Did you move up to second chair?
0: Well, he was also two years older than me, ah. so there gotcha. was that. Gotcha.
2: Which... I'm assuming now in the marriage, your first chair, right, oh. Emily?
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Well, that's a wonderful story. I think everybody loves to hear the, the story of meeting in in high school.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, it worked out well for us. So,
2: And tell me about your uh, your family, your kids. You have
0: four kids. We do. We have four kids, um, and they absolutely fill our every moment of our life. Um, our oldest is Benjamin, and he is um, 14. And then our daughter, Brielle, is our one girl, and she is 12, um, going on 30. And then we have a 10-year-old son, Brady, and an 8-year-old son, Bryson. Wow. Yeah, so never a dull moment in our house. Yep,
1: very busy.
2: Yeah, are you one of those families that has two or three calendars up, or?
1: Th- yeah, we're thankful for uh, apps now to kind of manage the the busyness too, the, the craziness,
2: up,
0: right? coordinate the crazy. Yeah. yeah.
2: What kind of fun things you guys do in the summer? Anything? Or? Well,
1: <laughs> we actually just uh, we just got ourselves a cabin up north, uh, what, last summer, uh, so we kind of made that a priority with just making making sure we had some family time together especially after Emily's diagnosis and whatnot. So, uh, so pretty much any free time we have now we spend at the lake. So a lot of, lot of lake time for us.
0: Yeah. And the kids are super busy with baseball, gymnastics, football, basketball, wrestling, all the things.
2: <laughs> yeah. In fact, we, you know, I'll just let everybody know we've, we have rescheduled this conversation a few times, uh, based around our, our own children's schedules. So. Yes,
0: yes, flexibility is so important in life, right? <laughs> it, sure <is.
2: laughs> it sure is, it sure is. So you two, it, it sounds like you've had this and are having a lovely life, uh, raising a wonderful family, making yourselves a priority and making your family a priority. But just a few years ago, you were really hit with the bombshell and really the reason that we're here having our conversation. Emily, can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Actually, it kind of started a couple years before that with um, my dad was diagnosed with multiple system atrophy, um, and then he had a kind of a steady decline for the next five years um, in which he needed hospice care, and his health just declined um, over time. And then Dave's dad was diagnosed with um, stage four lung cancer, also um, the week or the... The year or two prior. Um, and so his health declined pretty rapidly. And those were both, I think, seeing our dads right after retirement have these diagnoses that absolutely like changed the projection of the rest of their life. Um, and this really is before
2: your diagnosis.
0: Correct. yep. So Emily so, became
1: a caretaker or was partial caretaker of her dad and had a lot of stress and obviously, you know, a lot of time spent with him helping her mom and brother and sister take care of him.
0: Yeah, so after after both of them were diagnosed, and I, I feel like we kind of thought, okay, now we're gonna have a chance like just to breathe a little bit and just um, return to the normal everyday life. Um, and it was kind of out of nowhere, actually. It was just at a, a wellness visit um, that got rescheduled a couple times because I was a healthy 34-year-old. Um, I felt great. I
1: You kind of um, put yourself on the back burner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I had no concerns whatsoever about my health. Um, I was very mindful about nutrition and working out. Um, And so I thought, no big deal. I don't, you know, I don't need to rush into this annual visit. Um, And when I went, uh, my nurse practitioner or physician assistant provider um, actually was pretty adamant that I go and get um, a lump checked out that she found in my left breast. Um, And then the next week I had the mammogram. um, Would this have
2: been your first mammogram?
0: Correct, yeah, because um, typically they don't start scheduled um, mammograms until women are 40 years old. Um, so unless there is a concern on top of that with, um, with a self-detected lump or a lump detected by a provider, um, they don't typically do mammograms um, or a family history, which I had none of. Um, so um, I had that mammogram, and they right away wanted to do a biopsy, and Dave, for some reason, had felt pulled to come with me to that appointment. And I told him, it's nothing. Don't worry. You know, it's, this happens all the time.
2: Dave, can you tell me why you felt that? <laughs> Do you know I why? Know. I
1: just remember uh, that particular day I was at work, and I just told her, like, I'm just, I'm just going to come. It um, wasn't a particular busy, busy day at work. And I just, yeah, I just had this feeling that I needed to be there. can't only really describe it. or I've had a lot of those moments, I guess, over the last few years, but yeah. that was one of them that... Do you think, was it a, and I, I I don't mean to get too personal, but was it, do you recall, was
2: it a negative feeling or was it a No, I think it, was just, it was just
1: more of a support move. You know, I just wanted to make sure that if it was something that was going to be an issue that I was there for. Um, but I do remember bringing my computer with... Uh, I, I did bring my computer with because I was like, "Wow, it's not going to be a big deal. I can still work while I'm hanging out waiting for her and whatever. But
0: So then when they um, wanted to do the biopsy right away, I said, well, I can come back next week. And they insisted that they do it right away. And even during the biopsy, like I still thought this is this is nothing. And I was joking about how all the other ultrasounds we've had have been so much more fun. Cause we were looking at the babies. <laughs> right. Um, and Dave like was not joking and the doctor was not joking. The nurse in there was not joking. And I got a very like sinking feeling. Um, and then afterwards, did um, you
2: say th- Did you mention that to Dave or anybody?
1: No, I think I yeah. think she was trying. Like she was really trying hard to, like, not think that she was just trying to be positive and, you know, have a, a good uh, attitude towards it. But I think as soon as, you know, we both knew. I think she was more so in denial. But as soon as they wanted to go do the biopsy right away, right away, yeah, you knew it wasn't good. And so, like I said, I, me- I remember having my my laptop, and I just, I as soon as she said that, I remember putting it away. And I just was, like, lost. I didn't know what to think or what to do. So I just felt helpless, you know, that feeling of that moment of, like, you just don't know what to do.
0: So then a, a few days later, you get that, that waiting time in between. And in that time, like, we hadn't really said much to anyone else or the kids or anything because I, I didn't think, want people to worry.
2: I was thinking about the kids because on that day when they said, no, we want to do the biopsy right now. I'm thinking, regardless of what happens, you still have to pick up kids from wherever they are.
0: Right, and that's why I didn't want to do it, because you're always, as a parent, putting your kids first. And I'm like, we got to pick them up, but we made alternate arrangements, and um, grandparents picked picked up the little guys for us. Um, And then a few days later um, is when I got the call from the doctor.
1: We we knew already, because, you know, when you're married to a nurse— or any men, you know, medical uh, person in that field, they, uh, they tend to look at stuff up and figure things out. So we had a good idea at that point that it was. So you're a
2: nurse.
0: I am. Yeah. I, um, I've been in labor and delivery and then pediatrics in the clinic. And now I'm in OB in the clinic. Oh, so okay. yeah, and nurses are the worst patients, I think. Um, so <laughs> she
1: researched everything, and
0: so I—I I mean, I kind of had a feeling because um,
1: what was it like the grade of? I the... I had kind of
0: looked, yeah.
1: Yeah, we looked at the grade, and I forget what what else there was, but we had researched it, and we knew that there was a very high re- like chance of it being cancerous, like ninety five percent, whatever they graded okay. it as. So. We kind of had a good idea of that before we got the phone call.
2: Did you talk about that before you got the phone call or just keep it to yourselves?
1: Yeah, it was one of those things where you don't say a lot to each other, but you just know. Like, you know, it was more so just like a quiet time. You know, like maybe it was just more, uh, uh, I don't know, like just more hugs, you know, more more support. Just... uh,
2: well, it's that nonverbal communication. Yeah, like you
1: just know mm-hmm. that each, both of you are scared and there isn't a whole lot that you can say or do that's going to you know, make it better or worse. You just have to
0: and get I think, by. Th- yeah, one of the things that we definitely learned is there's so much in life that you cannot plan for. And so we we were not trying to get to the point where what's our diagnosis going to be? What, how is this going to impact our life? What is it going to do? We just were present in the moment we were in and did what we could at that time. Um, because even then, I thought, well, yeah, it'll just be a lump. They'll remove it. It'll be done. It'll be easy, you know, um, because why wouldn't it be? <laughs> but... Um, so it was um, spread to my lymph nodes. Um, so that kind of changed the, the course of the treatment and how aggressive I think they were with the treatment. Um, Considering
1: your age, too.
0: Yeah, and I think...
2: How, how did your age factor into their treatment plan?
0: Well, I think one of the good things about being diagnosed with cancer when you're younger is that they are very aggressive and you at least I did not, like, question any of the treatments or the options or the um, the things that would improve my likelihood of going into remission. Um, I just was willing to take whatever I could to um, prolong, I guess, my time here on earth with my kids and my husband and Um, You just don't second guess it, you just do it. Whereas I think sometimes when people get diagnosed with cancer when they're in their 70s and 80s and at a later point in life, they maybe question how much treatment to do. Um, And I just really felt, I I felt super blessed from the beginning because every provider we met um, in oncology, in surgery, um, radiation, everything, was just we had this um, feeling of trust immediately when when we met them and just knowing that you're in good hands takes so much of the pressure and the stress off of both of us Um, and i think especially i think it was harder honestly the whole process on dave than than i um, because i think as a husband and as a man you see a problem, and you want to fix it, and you want to do it, and you want to know that it's going to turn out, Um, and I feel like I was able to find peace right after my diagnosis, because I just kind of, I honestly, I gave it to God. I gave it to, I put my care in the hands of the doctors and their knowledge, and um, I found peace that way, and I think it was Honestly, a little a little harder of a process for Dave as the caregiver and as the the person kind of trying to keep life as normal as possible for the kids. Um,
2: what do you think? What do you think of her description of what you were going through as slightly harder?
1: Yeah, I, and I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I was to the point too where I would say, well, how come? Why, why you? Why not me? You know, like because, like you said, like I want to, I want to be the one to, to take the burden or have control or something. You know that, because um, it's so hard for you know see the person that you love most to to go through something like that. But
0: I remember him telling me a couple of times. He's like, "You cannot leave me. You wanted to have four kids, and yes. <laughs> you cannot leave me." And you I'm like, "You can't make oh.
1: me take four kids."
0: <laughs> but so
2: <laughs> well, speaking of those. Four kids, mm-hmm. when did the conversation with them begin? At what point?
0: Yeah,
1: we didn't so Before we didn't that
2: phone call when you found out? Or? No, we
1: waited. Uh, well, I think you got the phone call when you were at work, right?
0: Right. And then I came and I home. Like I said, we
1: knew. And it was like I she was on the phone with somebody in the car like when she pulled in the driveway. And I didn't even need to like hear her say it, all right? It just, she looked at me, I looked at her, and it was just, I knew it. So,
0: and then right after that, um, we just I talked to each of the kids kind of separate because at their ages, um, it was so different the kind of questions they had and how much they wanted to know. And so we didn't I really know a lot at that
1: point either. But it was just a matter of like we knew that we couldn't we couldn't hide that from them. You know, we were going to be emotional. We were going to be obviously changed what we thought for just. A while but forever you know now we know like it's it's a it's a something that's going to change our life forever so um really thankful that we did it the way we did because we didn't hide anything from them and we left everything out there on the table for them so they they knew right away like they could come to us with questions they could uh they lived it with us and it was i think that was very important
0: and I think it's so important, like um, the honesty and the openness with kids, because they understand so much more than you think they will. Um, our Brady at the time was seven, and he is he has wanted to be a doctor ever since he was super little. And the questions that he came up with, I was just like, "Wow, I never would have thought to explain chemotherapy on that level to a seven-year-old." Um, and actually now it's really cool because, um, throughout my therapy and treatment, um, he had a lot of questions and now he, um, kind of has changed his goal of being a doctor to doing research, hopefully with cancer. And he is 10 now, so we'll see, we'll Long see ways if that to go, changes, but, but it's, it's cool to see, um, have
1: interest um, in that to, yeah. to know, like, and he only he saw his mom and battle that and wants to be able to learn more about it at least.
0: And I think it's so important too for them because I did look sick. Like I lost my hair. I felt like crud. And it's so important for them to know like this is a part of the treatment and this is what's kind of expected to happen. And we have to kill the cancer cells before I get stronger again. Um, So they don't get scared and think like something is more wrong than it is.
2: Impossible for them to not be scared, though, I
0: think.
1: Oh, yeah. There was a lot of tears that night. Um, I can remember even after the initial conversation, like, you know, just I think everybody was just kind of in shock initially. But then maybe a few days later, you know, it would just be a random moment of, you know, some some crying like, Dad, is Mom going to be okay? You know, and like they just didn't know how to process it so it took him a while but I think a big part of it too was just seeing her start the the treatments and know that it's real you know and it's really happening was uh
2: <clears throat> I wonder how they'll look back on all of this in 25 years
1: yeah. I wonder too like I, I guess we don't even really talk about it anymore because it's just be like I said we, we've been so open with them and um, they just know now, like if there's like, if mom's going to the doctor, like we just tell them right away, like, well, this is what she's going in for. This is what, uh, they're just a to checkup today or whatever it may be. Um, but uh, you know, just very, very open with them with, well, the and
0: I have like, from, from the start, I have, it's been like my hope and my prayer that, um, they can learn, um, like how you can, uh, control what happens to you, but you can find a way to get something good out of it, and you can control how you respond to it, because I think it's important for kids to see that, because regardless of if it's a cancer diagnosis, or losing a job, or whatever um, adversity you have to go through and experience in life, um, it's reality, and nobody's going to have a, a life without obstacles and um, just showing them like the perseverance and um, staying together and what's really important in life. And I I remember when the kids and Dave were shaving my head after my, I think after my second um, chemo, the kids were so scared and they were just like nervous about it. And I was laughing and I'm like, well you guys, it's still me. It's just hair, you know? And I think even showing, especially especially our daughter, because society is so geared towards appearance. Yes. And um, I just remember thinking that I hope that she can look at me and still think, wow, I love my mom for the strength that she has and for the person that she is inside. And, you know, get past that um just the outward appearance and i think teaching teaching the kids that lesson and having to live it out is so
2: i am very sure that even 50 years from now those four kids are going to remember that experience and they're going to laugh and love each other thinking about that moment i i think that's brilliant the way you the way you handled that dave how was that for you <laughs>
1: Well, I was the one holding the shears that day, so it was, there, was, there was a lot of tears by me. Uh, and actually, that moment just came up on our Facebook memories, like, what, a month ago? And even then, like, it's still bringing, even now, like, you still get, you know, a little choked up over it, just because I think, like you said, like, the, the visualness of it, it's, it's real then. Like, you can, like, you see it, you know, like, like, her hair's really falling out, and it's hard
2: this is also fairly recently this is 2018 right
0: correct yep yeah it was April of 2018 so wow yeah and it was a it was a long it was about a year process of different treatments and and everything so I had chemotherapy first um for 16 weeks and then I had um uh, double mastectomy with reconstructive surgery, um, September eleventh, which ironically is um, the date of stepping out in pink this year. Oh, so that's okay. cool. It'll be the three-year anniversary of my surgery. I'm um, amazed
2: at the the positive little things you can find in all of this. Well, so I think <laughs> it's
0: kind of it's kind of cool. Well, the surgeon going back to September eleventh, um, he called me like the week before, and he's like, "So I have an opening next." Tuesday or whatever it was, and I'm like, that's September 11th, and he's like, yeah, that's my only opening. And I said, well, probably nobody wants surgery on that on that day just because of all the destruction and negative kind of yeah. emotions around it. And I said, okay, I'll take it, I'll do it. And um, now I just I try to look at that day as more of a, a start of something new and a, a showing the kind of the perseverance and the um, coming together of people to you know get through something really hard
2: was telling your children that you're having a double mastectomy any harder or less hard than any of the other parts or
0: I don't I don't think so no, I, I d- mean I
1: don't, and you know I don't think they really understood that part of it either you know at their ages you know they really knew what that meant necessarily and we as open as we were and are with them, I don't know that they really fully understand, unless they've looked it up maybe, uh, we know, what that I really think is. they know more
0: than we think. Probably <laughs> most, <laughs> kids probably yeah. most kids do.
1: Most kids do. You know what I mean? Like, I, we didn't come out and say, like, you know, what, <laughs> what right. the surgery really is yeah, about. Yeah, but,
0: but they knew that it was, like, a big surgery. surgery. It took six and, and a half hours and like you the, know, drain, after, the, the yeah. drain tubes and um, the recovery. So, and the recovery, I mean, I think it was – eye-opening for them, too, because throughout chemo and everything, I was able to keep working, um, so I was able to keep, you know, fairly normal life, um, yeah, and, and that then, was,
1: that was a goal, too. I mean, we wanted, just like with, with staying open with the kids, you know, it was my intent. I know that was gonna be hard on M because she was, you know, doing the treatment and, and having to do all that, but it was really a goal that just we, remain, we try to remain as, as normal as possible for the kids. So their lives weren't day-to-day really affected by, you know, mom having to go through that.
2: That's another thing I think they'll appreciate in yeah, 30, like 40 we still, years from now.
1: We still played baseball, but we still did gymnastics, and everything was was, you know, normal per se uh, as far as activities and whatnot went. Well, and I
0: think all those activities too, not only were we able to like be around the community of people and that were fighting with us and so there for our family and so much a part of our journey, but um, it just helps to distract you. You know, Um, when you're going through something hard, I think the worst thing you can do is sit and just like dwell on how miserable you feel and how crappy of a card you were dealt or whatever i mean i i think you just have to like accept this is what we're dealing with and what are we going to where are we going from here um, because you're not going to change
1: yeah cancer can't stop stop you from living right you mm-hmm. still have to do like you know <laughs> emily was still working out every day when she felt up to working it. out yeah, working out. Uh, so wait, you had walks. kids, yeah.
2: you worked, and you worked out.
0: <laughs> I did. Yeah, I got a. I- you
1: yeah. did more than I do when I'm healthy. Right, but I mean, you know, like I said, we just wanted to try to stay as normal as possible. So, and that made it made it made her feel like she was still normal too. You had some control of your life. Right. Yeah. She did that, and I was still coaching baseball with the kids, and um, you know, so we we just remained, tried to remain as normal as possible, and it and I think it helped us get through that. Whew, I think that
2: had to be a lot easier said than done. When we come back on Around River City, we'll talk about going above and beyond. I'm Ken Cooper. Welcome back to Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. You know how they say that sometimes the worst situations can bring out the best in people? Well, that's right where we pick up the conversation with Emily and Dave. So I was going to ask each of you this question about yourselves, but I, I have a feeling you'll be too modest. So maybe Emily first. Can you give an example of a of a time or a moment when Dave stepped up even more than you could have anticipated or or took on more than you, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's so many and this is, it probably seems small and not significant to a lot of people, but I remember being so exhausted um, after coming home from work and I was still like on my week off of chemo, but not quite feeling normal yet. Um, and I remember we finally got the kids to bed and there was like two heaps of laundry left to fold and he's just, He's just like, just go to bed, um, I got it. And, like, just little things like that, that in marriage, like, you you take for granted so often. And just putting the other person, their needs, above yours, um, that was just a huge thing for me. And I just, I mean, that was one of the many times that I thought, like, we are living our our vows out right now, and for better or for worse, and I just felt extremely, um, extremely blessed that he was my husband through this time because there are a lot of people that when times get tough, you know, they're out, and... Um, unfortunately, it's kind of a (laughs) human nature to want to get away from hard situations. But um, at no point, like, did I ever have to think about doing it on my own? Because it's just like, we are a team through everything. And just, just knowing that he was going to be there regardless of what the next day held um, was such a comfort for me.
2: Dave, obviously, you You have a very strong wife. Um,
1: In more than one way. Yeah. Do (laughs) Do you have any moments that you remember in particular? No, I just remember, well, just seeing her day to day. I mean, being able to work yet, which, I mean, she didn't need to work, but it was, again, just try to get her to just remain as normal as possible. So... Just knowing, like, and I would tell her, like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to work. You need to know, like, you just any time that you don't want to do something, you got to speak up. And, but, yeah, her her perseverance of just wanting to, I mean, she's just a warrior. I don't know how else to describe it. So that's a great word. Me cry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, and a lot of times throughout my treatment as well, I kind of had a a blog that I shared, um, just for family and friends to kind of see where we were at and in our journey and everything too. And writing to me was very therapeutic and I don't know, now it's kind of fun to look back to and, you know, I think I'm having a rough day or something now and I'm like, ah, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> Remember that day when, you know, this and this and this and so good, good perspective and. I think it's an example of one of those times where looking back you don't know how how you did it and how our family like was able to pull together to make it through but I'm glad we did.
2: <laughs> how are you today?
0: So I am I'm um Doing well today, I think, um, for the most part. I I've kind of um, accepted a new normal, which honestly was, um, I think, post treatments and everything. Um, when I was done with radiation and um, recovery from surgery and um, oral chemo, um, I thought, oh, now I just have to take this endocrine therapy um, to basically put me into menopause. My breast cancer was hormone um, fed. So um, this medication puts me into menopause, which my body did not want to do. (laughs) Um, So I have to be on um, injections and uh, oral medication. Um, And honestly, it just changes my, my baseline normal of how I feel in almost every aspect of my life. Um, I I feel a lot older, <laughs> older now, um, but I've, you know. Well, I've that kept... poor
2: kids might have something to do well, with
0: that. Well, yeah, I mean, it could be the kids. It could be. But, um, yeah, I think, I think I was surprised how I kept waiting to get back to how I used to feel, and I think accepting the fact that, okay, this is, this is going to be my new normal and it's okay. Um, I can still, I feel like I live a very full life and, um, I'm actually, I'm training for my first marathon this fall. So, um, Dave, are you going to
2: run alongside? No. (laughs)
0: Um, this just confirms how crazy I am. He doesn't he doesn't get it, but well, um,
2: again, okay, you'll well, you'll be there folding the clothes when she's I, running. I am,
1: right. of course, I will be there to support her all the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like I've tried to, and as a family, we've tried to not let cancer define who we are today and what we do or don't do. Um, so I feel like I got to the point where I could get through an entire day without thinking about being diagnosed with cancer, um, and that was huge. And one of the, the hard times that I think we had to get past was I was waiting for the doctor to walk in the room and be like, oh, you're cancer-free. Like, I thought that was going to be a huge step in this journey, and... Um, unfortunately, since it was in my lymph nodes, there's like a 50% chance that it could have gone somewhere else. Um, so it's just kind of a day by day, um, you know, kind of based on symptoms or whatever that they will look into things. But, um, I, I keep, um, imagining that there's a 50% chance that there's not cancer anywhere. And I think just looking at it, um, from that perspective, is is helpful for me.
1: Yeah, I think that was that's that was hard for me initially too, and I, more so for you, I think, just because she wanted to f- like feel like she won, you know, like and, and obviously you win every day. Right? I'm still
0: here, so yeah. I- <laughs> so I mean, obviously
1: we're winning, but it's just like that—the reassurance of like the final, like you did it, you know—and you couldn't really get that resolution because it's not there. There's always going to be that chance, so, and I, I think that anybody
0: has that yeah, chance. You know, that's what I mean. You could get in a car accident. You yeah, could. and I
1: think I think when you go into that, this type of diagnosis initially, like we thought, okay, it's going to be six months, nine months, a year before we're back to normal again. And now, after three years, like we know that, you know, our life has changed forever. And most people look at us and think, oh, they're just normal people, right? You know, Emily got her hair back, and obviously she's a very fit, healthy person, beautiful. And uh, so, yeah, you, like, you kind of have to, like, you hide those feelings from people. And people, most people don't know that about us, that we still have those, you know, that pain and that that worry, that doubt, the fear of of what's next, so...
2: So it, it's peace of mind that you can't have
1: yeah, and that's and it's not just that, but it's it's the stuff that she deals with every day too. just the physical stuff from the treatment that the side effects the, the you know there's there's all kinds of things. so we're not the kind of people that are gonna share that with just anybody like we this is probably the first time we've ever said that you know we don't we don't want attention drawn to us because you know of what we've or what we're going through, I guess. 'Cause but it
0: could always be worse. We always absolutely, tell our kids, It could always like, be worse. So we're there's, not there's somebody that has yeah, it worse than we
1: don't want anybody's sympathy, but it's just like that's the reality of our life right now. It's just it's it is uh it is a burden on us to just have that weighing on you.
2: And the kids, it weighs on them as well, I would think.
0: Well, I think they look at it differently because um, like every time if I get headaches or anything, they, you know, tend to worry a little bit more. Um, so I think that part of it is. But, like, on the day-to-day stuff, I feel like they're they're pretty – they're well-adjusted and yeah, they, they're think, happy kids. I think
1: they don't let it get to them either. They like And obviously, like I said, we don't share that with people. Obviously, we did now, but – I mean, we don't we don't say that to them either. Like, we don't say, "Oh my gosh, like mom could get sick anytime again." Like, obviously, they know that in the back of their mind too. But it's not something that we dwell on. So, like we said, you gotta live life. You can't worry about about tomorrow and and what could happen.
0: Yeah, and this experience, I mean, overall has just showed us, like, you have to live today and you have to do the most with what you can right now because none of us is guaranteed tomorrow and um, we had always talked about kind of dreaming about buying a cabin when we retired and um, you know being able to take grandkids up to the lake and everything and then um, kind of after our dads were diagnosed um, with diseases that ultimately you um, took their lives, and then my diagnosis, we realized, like, we don't want to wait to make memories with our kids. We don't want to wait to um, make our family time a priority. Um, We just, I think you never regret um, putting the effort and time into um, putting your family first.
2: What are you looking forward to long-term?
0: Oh, my gosh, so much. Long term, I don't know. I think right now we are like in the the craziness of kind of everything is about our kids and it kind of revolves around their schedule. So I don't know. Someday we might get hobbies again. Maybe what are those <laughs> oh,
1: like gardening or something. Maybe I don't right.
0: Know. <laughs> I know. Just like some quiet time, maybe read a book or <laughs> we both actually we'll love. When after I was diagnosed, um, we really mm-hmm. took time to slow down. And then with COVID, of course, everybody did last year, whether they wanted to or not. But um, we have a front porch, and we realized we had lived in this house for over ten years and never sat out in the in the morning on Saturday morning and drank coffee together on the front porch. Um, so we kind of made a habit of doing that. Um, during, during my treatment, and it just, it made us slow down and see, I guess, prioritize what what truly counts in life and what really is important to focus on.
1: Right. A lot of, a lot of good talks on the porch about just, you know, what's what's to come, right? Front porches are good for that. That's right. They are, so, for sure. So, yeah, when you have time like that in your hands, uh, I guess you maybe you see a new new uh, perspective of your spouse too, maybe, you know, that, maybe like we had the opportunity obviously with having to slow down and take that time. So yeah, that's a good point. I was super grateful for that too, because you just, uh, you learn a lot about each other. I think.
2: How is your, uh, Dave, I'll ask you first, how how is your relationship with Emily different now than it was in 2017?
1: Oh my, I don't know if it's changed a whole lot. (laughs) Um, I just, uh, I mean, I was still amazed by her always, you know, just her, like I said, she's just a warrior. So I would say that she never, never ceases to amaze me, even since we were in high school together. You know, she's always surprising me with something and what she's doing or what her next goal is. Now, this marathon thing was like, are you serious? Like, you want to do a marathon? Like, what? <laughs> Like, I know you like to run, but I mean that's a long way. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just her, uh, just her her passion for life and her uh, want, her her desire to to live life to the fullest, and it has a lot to do with our faith. And um, you know, we just we just put our faith in God and and we leave it in His hands. It's not our, it's not our plan to you know to. You, like you talk about our future, like we don't really have a plan, you know. It's God's plan, so we're we're here right now, and we're just going to live it to the fullest.
2: Emily, what, what's your take on how your relationship specifically with Dave is different?
0: I think um, I think our our level of communication definitely improved, and we realized like you can't <laughs> beat around the bush; you got to just you know, if you need help with something or um, you just ask for it, you know, and I think communication and talking about things and um, talking about your emotions and talking about what you're struggling with and just being open with each other is, you know, making yourself vulnerable, but also it just connects you on a whole nother level. And I think that we our relationship has grown like tremendously, in the level of trust and just you know, it's not. There's nothing nothing superficial about it. That's for sure. Um, when when somebody can love you like without hair and um, I don't have hair, so in the yeah, <laughs> Makes sense, well, right? I mean, oh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, we were both bald for a while, but I mean, it just it kind of takes your. Love for each other, I guess, to another level, and um, you see what's inside the person. You know, you love them for um, who they are, and that that deeper relationship I think makes you realize that you know you can get through get through the the hard stuff together, and um, that we're a team on it. And
2: why did you say yes to this conversation? What what is there anything you'd like people to take from? your experience or this well, conversation?
1: yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, or I think you said it earlier, um, you know, we had we had so much support from our, our family. I mean, both our moms, um, you know, our brothers and sisters were very supportive of us. And, uh, you know, we just had a, a good team of, of really good friends, um, co-workers, um, and then just people in the community that were really... Uh, Just there for us. People we didn't even think that would be there for us were there. Um, So, and I told him, like, you know, you get, like, you get stuff, like you get money, you get food from people. That was really hard for me, you know, being, you know, again, I'm a guy, I want to control stuff. And it was really hard for me to accept help. Right. Right. So that was, that was really hard for me. So I just remember telling him that, um, you know, down the road, like we need to pay it back somehow, some way. We need to find a way that, whether it's charitable, whether it's uh, our time, whatever it may be, we need to find a way to help others, uh, support them. Um, so I guess this uh, type of thing, and uh, obviously the opportunity with stepping out in pink was was a great way of of sharing her story, and and this obviously is is a part of that. So we're. We're grateful to be able to to sit down and and just share whatever we can and hope that it helps somebody in some way. So, Emily,
2: what is your? Uh, tell me about your involvement with Stepping Out in Pink this year.
0: Yeah, so I am the advocate for twenty twenty one Stepping Out in Pink. I was actually in twenty twenty as well, but then everything went virtual, and I thought I was going to. Um, <laughs> To skirt out of my responsibilities of doing any speeches or anything because um, that's not a, a gift of mine by any means. But because
1: uh, you don't like to talk at all.
0: But, but so then um, <laughs> okay. they they asked me if I if I could be the advocate in 2021, and of course I said yes because um, this honestly this um, this foundation and um, this benefit is so amazing to have in our community. I just feel like, you know, there's so many different causes that you can give money to and it's some big national fund. Um, This stepping out in pink is people in our community, families just like us that are going through a hard time that need just a little encouragement, a little help um, to get through it. And then um, just seeing the generosity of people that are wanting to give back. Um, And from the survivor perspective, I guess, to be able to um, see some of these women that have been survivors for 30, 40 years um, and to think of all the advancements in treatment that have come in that amount of time Largely due to the funding and the research and um, the great things that are happening right here in La Crosse, and I just think I am so proud to be able to um, have a little part in in promoting this um, super super great cause, yeah. and, and I really mean, I c- excited. I can remember,
1: you know, hearing him stepping out in pink before, you know, before we lived it, you know, like like seeing the the you know, the communications about it and stuff, and they go, oh, that's that's cool, that's a neat thing to do, whatever, good support thing, but we never contributed. You know, we didn't know anything about it more than that. We never dug into it. And then now like I can like I can tell anybody who listens to this. I hope but by by listening to us today, like you just go and and, you know, just support it. It's obviously. Well,
0: in the stats of one yeah, in eight it's just women. It's somebody that
1: you never know who, who it's going to be next. It could yeah. be you. It could be someone you love. It could be a friend of yours. But um, just know that you know, by supporting, you know, you're helping, helping a lot of people who, who really need it. So,
2: What do you think of that word survivor? You use that uh, a couple of times talking about others.
0: Are yeah. You, well, and I think looking at, like, from the beginning of my treatment, right after diagnosis, my doctor started referring to me as a survivor. And I think that mindset of, yeah, I am a survivor and I'm not a victim in all of this. It's so important to remember that because how you <laughs> how you view things that happen to you makes such a difference on how you react to it. Um, and just the word survivor is so empowering and so, um, you know, it just, it makes you realize I'm not alone in this. And there's a lot of other, a lot of other really strong, beautiful women that have gone through this and everybody's story is a little bit different, but you know, they're all warriors and just, it's so encouraging because I think feeling alone is, is the worst feeling. And I don't think we were created to live life alone. Um, so when we, can, when we can kind of band together and um, get through things and help each other through things, I think that's how life is intended to be lived.
2: Is there anything else you'd like to say to all of us listening or to each other before, on the record? I get the feeling you love each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've put I've put way too many years of training into to let him go now. <laughs> no, he is I I could not ask for a better husband and a better partner to do life with and um, just get through Likewise. it together. It's not always it's not always pretty and it's not perfect. That's for sure. Um, it's a lot of hard work and. And it's a, a dedication and a commitment um, to <laughs> to stay married, but it's so worth it. I think, like anything in life, if you if you work hard at it and put in the time and the the work, I think you reap the benefits.
2: Dave, final
1: word. Well, I'm just. I uh, I guess. You know, our, our faith is a big part of this too, you know, and that's one thing I think that we've grown tremendously in our faith in God. Just the last three years have been uh, just a huge um, part of of our journey. And um, so, yeah, I just I want to leave that part of it out. So that has been a huge part of it. We just, uh, we just like I said, we, we believe so much that it's just uh, – so much in, in life is out of your, out of your control and, and the society these days, just everybody wants to have control and everything's at your fingertips, but you just have to learn to let go sometimes and, and just trust.
2: So at about that point, we thought that our official conversation was over for the podcast, but it, it wasn't. We'll talk a bit more with Emily and Dave about their faith and how it was tested through Emily's breast cancer diagnosis, her treatment, and recovery. That's coming up when we come back on Around River City. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. Emily, Dave, and I had pretty much finished our, well, what we called our official conversation for the podcast. But as I was putting equipment away and they were getting ready to be on their way, we were chatting a little bit more and their faith came up again. And as we chatted about that, I was trying to decide if I should ask this one more question that I I had in my mind. I wasn't really sure how they would take it, but I told them that I I had one more question that I would love to ask. And would they be willing to let me set everything back up and uh, let me ask the question? They could answer it or not. And without knowing the question, they said, sure. Did you ever get mad at God?
1: I did. (laughs) Yeah, the first the first couple of weeks I was like, I struggled hard. It was super hard for me, but how did you get through that? I think it was her. I mean, just knowing that seeing her pull through.
0: And I think from the start, honestly, I, I found peace and I, I can't explain it. And I think that's why it's, a peace that surpasses understanding because I knew that I've always been a planner. I've always been super organized and like scheduled and, you know, for kids, you got (laughs) to, you don't have time for these unplanned things. Um, But the first thing I felt was peace because I knew I had to give it to God because I knew that I wouldn't have the strength to get through what the the future held, Um, I knew that I wouldn't be brave enough to get through um, what the future held. And I think just turning to him and giving it to him, getting strength from God, honestly, for each day and relying on him. um, Again, it makes you feel so vulnerable. But um, it also like that surrender can be so beautiful because you don't, bear the burden of it anymore and so many people would say oh you're so strong you're so brave you're so so. and honestly I am not I am not at all like I was terrified so many times I felt so weak um but honestly I turned to God and he his grace and mercy will meet you wherever you're at when you when you um call out to him and ask him for help and um, I think that was kind of the silver lining in this whole diagnosis is honestly um, strengthening our faith and um,
1: I just remember thinking like what you know why why am I mad if she's not you know how <laughs> how can how, how selfish am I right I mean I'm not the one that has to go through the treatment and the pain and everything and she had I mean, obviously she was scared too, but um, because how can you not be? But no, she just, uh, the trusting uh, nature that she had and still has, has just, you know, rubbed off on me as well.
0: And I actually, I did something I thought I would never do for, was it my 35th birthday? I got a tattoo that says faith and it um, has a cross. It makes a cross and it's just um, such a reminder to me every day that little things, big things, you can give anything to God and he will, his answer might not always be yes. Or <laughs> sometimes what you want to hear. Sometimes his answer is not what, what we think is best, but I think even his no is making way for a bigger yes.
2: Way back at the beginning of the podcast, I said that I thought, this conversation and this story was as much a love story as anything else. You know, it really struck me how, how normal Emily and Dave want to be and, and wanted to be throughout all of their struggles with breast cancer. Definitely a lot of love in their story. Well, thanks for listening. This is Around River City. You can find more episodes at aroundrivercity.com. I'm Ken Cooper. Thanks for being part of the conversation.